0: Hi, and thank you for listening in to the New Song podcast from this week's service. You are welcome and encouraged to join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in person. And for more information on how to get involved with New Song, go to newsonglouisville.org and follow us on social media. And now for today's message. I've been this morning to indestructible joy part 14 and today i'm pretty excited because we have come now in three chapters into the book of philippians I want to remind you as we dive in this morning that the new testament was written and lived largely in an atmosphere of christians being the persecuted minority in the land, okay? Don't forget that. God's word is to be heard, believed, and obeyed even in the midst, even in the midst of adverse spiritual climates. So we talk a lot these days about how the church of today is becoming much more like the church of yesterday because the cultural climate is changing so dramatically. Indestructible joy. We've been Defining indestructible joy as having a joy. Read it with me, would you? Having a joy that no matter what happens in your life, that's a lot of things. That's a lot of things. Ready? You continue to trust and praise God, knowing that God in no circumstance has the final word over your life. Let me just stop there and just say, let me just say this. No matter what, folks... No matter what, right? No matter what, that is an encompassing saying when you think about it. And I realize we're making a huge claim here. But here's the truth of, of the scriptures. Only God, only God defines his people. No circumstance, no person, no hurt, no unmet expectation, no other thing should define who God's people are, how they see themselves, and how they live their lives rather than God. Amen? Indestructible joy. So we're in the book of Philippians. We're coming to my favorite passage in the whole book today. I'm excited about it. I'm praying the Lord will just fire you up today as he's firing me up about this passage but I I want to I want to kind of catch us up just real quick as we lead into Philippians 3:12 through 19 so just prior to this Paul has kind of given us his pedigree. He's kind of given us a little bit of his history, and he declares boldly that he counts his past as loss and rubbish. He even uses the word dung, if you will, and he says, I want to gain Christ. He's letting go of the past in order to pursue everything that God has for him. He wants to know the power of Christ's resurrection and And by the way, the power of Christ's resurrection, amen, is alive and at work in every one of our lives. It's that power, if you will, the touch of God that rises dead things to life again. There's things that have died in your life, dreams and desires and things that God wants to put his hand on and touch and raise up and bring about new life to And Paul goes on and says, I want to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. This is not, that's not one that when you walk into the Christian bookstore, you don't see the little refrigerator magnet in the fellowship of his sufferings. That's not one that you often see the little plaque, you know, that you can put on your desk. Paul saying, I want his heart. I want him. I want the, I want the mountaintops. And I'm going to take the valleys along with the mountaintops. I want the power of the resurrection. And I want to I also come into such connection and such intimacy with Jesus that even his sufferings, I embrace them in my own life. Paul is saying, I want everything he has for me. And we're going to see as he continues today that, that Paul has a healthy and a holy fear that he does not want to miss out on anything that Jesus has for him on this earth. And that ought to be our posture and our perspective too, that we want everything that God has for us, that we want to be forged and conformed, if you will, into the image of Christ, even through the difficulties and the challenges of this life. Paul didn't hold back he went with everything he had after Jesus. And he says to us, I'm setting the example for you. I do a little thing here. It's kind of become a tradition for me. Whenever I walk up here and I get ready to start the service, I always look at our worship guys. And one thing I say to them almost every Sunday is, guys, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Give Jesus everything here this morning. And and I want to say it to all of you here this morning, don't hold back anything from the Lord. Give him your all. And this morning, along with Paul, press forward into running the race well for God's glory and determine you're not going to let anything be missed that he has for you in this life. Philippians chapter 3, let's go there this morning, verses 12 through 19. Paul says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, one thing, I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk By the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and know those who so walk as you have for us for a pattern. So for many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. May we tremble at your word. May we come before you, Lord, just humbling our hearts before you, so desirous of you hungering and longing for all that you have for us. May we come with a holy and a healthy fear and an awe of you, O God. And Lord, please forgive us where we have failed or where we have missed you. We just desperately cry out today, we want all that you have for us, even in our brokenness and in our mess. Spirit of God, be our teacher and be our guide and help us to run this race with diligence and to finish well for the glory of God in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. what a passage this is uh, one of my one of my life verses maybe you have life verses there verses of scripture that quite honestly have just become so precious and dear to you that you know, oftentimes even when I just sign something, I'll put under my name Philippians 3, 12 through 14, a portion of this passage we just read. This one challenges me daily to the depths of my being to live for Christ with everything I've got. I had an experience. I don't often share things like this publicly. Uh, sometimes there. are just meant to be pondered in your heart, but I had an experience two weeks ago in Nicaragua that absolutely marked me and shook me. It was in the middle of the night. I was in a hotel in Managua, and I had just gotten to Managua. I'd flown in that day and met Rondus and Sylvia and had lunch with them and their boys and spent several hours with them doing some planning work and then they dropped me back off at my hotel and I was happy to get back there and get a good rest after traveling all day long and meeting and laying in bed and in the middle of the night I had a, a, an experience that quite honestly I I still can't fully explain or describe. I'm not sure whether I was awake or whether I was asleep. I don't know for sure. All I know is in the middle of the night, I I started seeing bright lights flashing and I felt the Lord so powerfully speaking to me and saying to me, if you will stay faithful to me, I promise you I have more for you. It shook me. I, I, However, in the dream or awake or a vision, whatever it was, I repeated it several times over in my heart and my mind because it, it shook me. It, it was powerful. I've never in my life had an experience like that. The next morning when I woke up for the day, my alarm went off the first thing I did was grab my phone and journal it because it was so fresh still upon my heart. And Paul, he's really kind of giving us a a, a passage here, a, a thought here, a, a a passionate plea, if you will, to continue to pursue the Lord and be faithful to Him because He has more. He has more for every single one of us here today, more for everyone that's watching. He has more for you. He's going to give us some powerful principles that will help us to pursue Jesus intentionally and, and dare I say aggressively. Because I'm telling you, the day is upon us where we're going to we're gonna have to move forward aggressively in our faith or we're going to get swept away by the culture and Jesus doesn't want you to miss out on anything he has for you. He wants you to enter into those heavenly gates if you will having fulfilled your complete destiny in him while you were here on this earth. And you'll notice it's it's very interesting because Paul gives us some principles and these principles start with I have not. I have not. And I want to rehearse them with you real quick and just kind of go through him. He says, I have not attained. I haven't fully received. I haven't, I haven't taken hold of everything that God has for me. I haven't experienced everything there is to experience in God. And he's basically saying, guys, I know there's more. I haven't exhausted an inexhaustible God. I haven't drawn everything from the well that never runs dry. There's more to experience. There's more to understand. There's depths to dive into that I haven't yet attained. I've not been perfected. I'm not finished. I haven't experienced, if you will, the totality of God's transforming grace in my life. In other words, he's saying there's more for God to deal with in me. I don't know about you, but I feel that so heavily at times in my own heart in my life. God, there's still so much you need to do in me. So gracious, so glad for your grace and that you've dealt with me so graciously over the years. You've just been kind enough to show me little parts of, of my rough edges and, and help me smooth those downs. But but Lord, it, there's just more and there's more and there's more to be dealt with. And I just got to tell you here, church, this morning, there's always going to be more that he wants to deal with in your life. Because you're going to need more and more transformation. It's it's you know we ought to really hang signs around our necks that just say under construction. You know what I'm saying? John, will put a little bit of that yellow tape. You know that caution tape. Under construction. You know, excuse our mess. Excuse the mess of me because God's still working on me. No, there's more to be had of God, more to embrace of his change, more perfecting that needs to take place. B.F. Westcott said it this way, the mark of a saint is not perfection. By the way, Paul's not using the word, talking about the word. The word doesn't mean absolutely perfected. The mark of a saint is not perfection, but consecration. A saint's not a man without faults, but a man who's given himself without reserve to God. And then he says, I've not yet apprehended. He's he's using some aggressive language through this whole passage. He's he's using uh, wartime metaphors and athletic metaphors. He's saying, I've not eagerly taken, seized, or possessed my ultimate destiny yet. And again, none of us have either there's still more. He says, I know I'm still not completely fulfilled. Let me just say to you this morning, and for me, this is hugely powerful and important. It's not how we, or how we finish life in Jesus is as much a part of our destiny as how we started our life in Jesus. There's a lot of us in the room. I'm one of them. I'm on that other side of the hill, and I'm coasting down, and I'm looking toward the end, and I'm going, okay, God, man, we've had a good run, and it's been awesome, and and I have loved serving you with every bit of my being for the past 37 years, but God, help me to finish well, because if I don't finish well, none of the rest of that's going to count. I've watched so many men around me, leaders around me that I had incredible respect for. Some of them I've met personally along the journey who have made some poor decisions in those latter parts of their lives and then have lost everything they were building toward in Jesus. God, help us not to do that. Help us to finish well because there's more. We have not yet attained. We've not yet been perfected and we've not yet apprehended. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Let this stir a passion in your heart to pursue the Lord with everything you've got because He's got more for you. I don't know what it was the Lord was speaking to me about when He says, I have more for you, but I tell you this, I want it with everything in me, and I want to be faithful to Him to the end and receive all that he has. Don, my dear friend Don, would you stand for just a second? I just want to use you for an example just real quick. Don, I sure love you and I sure love your heart. And I just want you to know, Don, that Jesus has apprehended you. He's taken hold of you, my friend. He has a calling and a purpose for you. He has, he has seized you. He has a glorious, wonderful, heavenly destiny, a heavenly, a heavenly word calling upon your life, Don, and you haven't fully arrived there yet. There's still more for you, my friend. There absolutely is. Don, you can sit down for a sec there. Thank you so much. I could have said that to any one of you. I say that to Don because I know that's true of Don, but it's true of you too. I could have picked any one of you and said, the Lord has more for you, so you make sure and pursue him with everything you have. More. There's always more. The last chapter of the last book that Paul writes is 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to these words as he is just about to lay his head, if you will, on a chopping block and the, the, the axe is about to sever his head from his body. He says these words, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all. How many? Who have loved his appearing. Powerful stuff, right? We've talked about this. There's a reward ahead. It's okay to live for the reward when you're living for that reward. I want to focus just a little bit on those last three words, loved is appearing. Do you love the appearing of the Lord? Are you driven by? Do you have eternity stamped on on your eyeballs? Do you live every day with a sense of, I want to be faithful so that when the Lord comes back, he finds me faithful that I have been passionately loving and looking forward to and living in such a way that when he returns like a thief in the night, I won't be caught off guard. I'll be ready. He will take me, and he will say ultimately, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, you can't say you're finished till God is finished with you. Paul could not say he was finished in Philippians chapter 3 because in Philippians chapter 3 Paul had more of the race to run. At this point the end has come and judgment is about to, be, uh, uh, is about to happen to Paul there and he's about to be executed for Christ's sake. You can't say you're finished till God is finished with you because it ain't over yet folks. There's things that will keep us from the more. And let's talk about them real quick. One is simply becoming satisfied with past spiritual accomplishments. With past spiritual accomplishments. Sometimes we can, we can just, you know, we can, we can kind of think to ourselves, look how far I've come. How many of you remember how far Jesus has brought you from? How many of you remember before you knew Him? How many you you were a mess, Amen. and so was I, and He's brought you a long ways, and thank God for it, Amen. But sometimes focusing on that will keep us from moving forward to where God wants to take us. Sometimes past successes can lead us to a place of current complacency. Where we just start to man, I've, I've given the Lord a lot. I've lived a lot. I've tithed a lot. I've volunteered at church a lot. I have, I have done all these things and now it's time for me to kind of set back and coast a little bit. Kind of coast on into the, to the, to the finish line. A.W. Tozer says, complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ in or to His people. Complacency. C.S. Lewis writes this in the screw Tape Letters. He says, the long, dull monotonous years of middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity are excellent campaigning weather for the devil. Sometimes we just start to, you know, let down, ease up. Not near as passionate as we used to be for Jesus. We need to be careful about that. Complacency ruins our spiritual our relational and our professional lives. Complacency, sometimes I love little plays on words. And I want to share one with you here this morning. Complacency must become, come play since he calls us to more. Come play since he calls you and I to more. Don't sit back don't rest on your laurels. Don't think, you know, I've already achieved, I've already accomplished, I've already given so much. No, there's more for you. And by the way, experiencing more means greater challenges, and sometimes that's the reason we start to pull back at some point in our spiritual journey. More means we're willing to be stretched. More means we're going to have to take steps of trust and faith in God. More means more uncomfortable situations you may find yourself in where only faith will get you through. It's challenging. It's easier to settle for what you've already accomplished than stretching for more. Let me ask you this question. How many of you this morning would say, hmm, okay, we're going to use a little athletic analogy here. Are you in the game? Are you on the bench? Or have you found yourself moving on up into the bleachers and just kind of spectating and watching from afar? Let me just say more means you're in the game and you're living with everything you've got to please the Lord. 37 years, folks, that that Tracy and I have been in full-time ministry and I have never regretted going where Jesus has led me. I know him better today because I've been willing to follow him every day for 37 years. He takes me to new places in him, and and then you know what he does? He he takes me to a new place in him, and then he takes me to a new place in him, and then he takes me to a new place in him, and then he stretches me again, and then he stretches me again, and it's wonderful. How many of you hear what I'm saying? There's not a time and a place just to sit down and go, okay, man, it's been a great journey, but I'm just, I'm retiring. Have you ever noticed there's no such thing as a retirement in the Word of God? I'm not saying you don't step aside from your job at some point in your life, but you should never step aside from your calling in Christ. We can become, if we're not careful, like Israel coming out of Egypt before they made their way into the promised land Deuteronomy chapter 1 let me read it to you real quick now it came to pass in the 40th year in the 11th month on the first day of the month that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as the commandments to them after he killed Sihon king of the Amorites who dwelt in Heshbon and Og king of Bashan who dwelt at a hard name uh, on this side of the Jordan in the land of Moab Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You've dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains, in the lowland, in the south, and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the greater river, the river Euphrates. See, I've set before you, the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them and their descendants after them. It's interesting, right? God delivers the children of Israel from Pharaoh. They they march out of Egypt. They come to Mount Sinai. They stay there for a year. They start seeing the challenges. They start pulling back. They start grumbling and complaining. They start walking in unbelief instead of faith. They start seeing giants instead of how great God is. They weren't willing to face the challenges. They complained about the manna that was being provided every day. What is this stuff? You ever felt like that before? God, what are you doing? Where do you have me? What's going on? How long is it going to take? And guess what? The 39 years or the one year becomes another year and another year until it's 39 years and then God says in that 40th year, guys, come on. It's time to get moving. It's time to get moving. 39 years of complacent wandering just wandering around the desert instead of conquering possession. Complacent wandering instead of conquering possession. And God says, you've dwelt here long enough. Turn, take your journey, and see what I have for you. What kept them wandering? The challenges of the promised land, the giants, the armies, the territories, the resettling. And they start to cry out, oh, that we just stayed in Egypt. And by the way, did you notice, Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh stayed on the east side of the Jordan River. Never even went into the actual promised land. That was the the pagan land, not the promised land. Complacency over yesterday's accomplishments and the greater challenges of today's promised land keep many a saint on the east side of the Jordan. so close they can see it just on the other side of the river but they camp out on the east side unfulfilled destiny not experiencing everything Jesus has for them you living on the east side of the Jordan only you know are you doing everything God's called you to do in this life Let's turn our attention to what Paul intentionally and aggressively did. I love this passage. This is the passage that I love to sign. He says, one thing I do. That's the way we translate it in English, right? In Greek, it's just ice. It's the numeral... One. It's this, Paul says, one. One. It's not eloquent. Might not be the, have been the, <laughs> the best koinonia Greek of the day, but there's no doubt about this. He's a man of singular focus. He just says, one. Got one thing one singular focus, one thing ahead of me. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. I want to pursue the calling he has on my life. I want to do what he's taken hold of me to do. And this is what he did. He says, I'm pressing on in verse 12. I'm fleeing I'm, I'm It's almost, a, it's an aggressive word. I'm hunting down. I'm pressing on. I'm intentional. It's aggressive language. I'm pressing toward the goal, pressing toward the prize, pressing toward the upward call of God. I'm laying hold. I, I I'm I'm eagerly taking hold of. I'm I'm seizing the very thing Jesus seized me for. And he's he's going back to that that moment that happened, if you will, on the road to Damascus where where Saul was a persecutor of the church and Jesus took hold of him and he took hold of him for a purpose. And and Paul is saying, I'm going to take hold of that which you've taken hold of me for. Again, in other words, I'm not going to miss anything you've called me to on this journey. I'm going to do everything you've called me to do. I'm going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus saved you and I. He took hold of us. He seized us for a destiny, for a purpose, for a greatness, for a testimony, for his glory. Then he says, I'm forgetting the past. And by the way, there's two parts of your past that need to be forgotten. The good past that contributes to complacency, all the good things you've done, where you can sit back and rest on your laurels and gone, man, I've served for so long and I've given so much. It's okay to look back, by the way, from time to time and draw encouragement from that past, but don't let complacency settle in and don't camp out there. There's also a bad past. And we all have it, right, that contributes, if you will, to a paralyzing shame that'll try to stop us short of the goal. You know what we need to do about that bad past? Just wipe our hands off and go, thank you, Lord, that it's gone and it's cleansed and it's no more and it has no hold on me. It's been removed by the blood of Jesus. Amen, church? And then he says, I'm reaching forward. I'm stretching. I'm straining. I'm yearning. I know there's more. I know I haven't attained it all. I know I haven't been perfected. I know I haven't apprehended everything there is. I need to keep growing in God. And then he says, I'm thinking right Did you notice that in the passage? He says, therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Let us be of the same mind, this attitude about things. I'm not going to think my destiny is going to be fulfilled by being just unintentional and lazy and wandering. No, it's going to take some intentionality and some some sweat and blood and tears and striving after. And no, I've got to be intentional, just like Jesus was just like Paul was, I need to follow their example. Then he says, I'm walking orderly. Let us walk by the same rule. And and he doesn't mean just some kind of meandering, you know, wandering around. There's so many people in the church today just meandering and wandering, you know, just kind of wandering around. He's using a military term. He means to march in step, in lockstep with the Lord. I'm going to walk that same way. I'm going to march in rank, orderly, intentional, deliberate, purposeful. No more wandering aimlessly. No unintentional meandering. And then he says, I'm going to follow the successful. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. One of the things I love, I love, I love is the... The the spiritual heroes of the past that I can glean from by just reading their biographies. How many of you have ever read a great man or woman's biography from the past? It will inspire you. It will encourage you. It will deepen and strengthen you to walk through the challenges and the difficulties. Some of us were like, I wish I had a mentor. You can. Go to the bookstore. There's lots of really good ones. I'll name a few to you if you need them, by the way. And their lives will encourage you and deepen your life and and give you an example to follow. Imitating, Paul says, imitate him and others as they imitate the life of Jesus. Watching, learning, observing, asking, reading, obeying from the lives of other great spiritual men and women. And then he does something very interesting. He says, I have no intention of following those who are actually the enemies of the cross. This is an interesting part of the passage. If you go and you reference most commentaries out there, they're going to tell you something that's pretty shocking. He's actually talking about people who are in the fellowship and in the church. He's not talking about people who are outside the church. I want you to think about this with me. Because it should, it should shake us a bit. I have no intention of following those who are enemies of the cross. Have you ever heard the term a, a carnal Christian? Someone who's more driven by their flesh than by the Spirit of God? Ever been a carnal Christian? <laughs> Allowed your flesh to to be in the driver's seat rather than crucifying your flesh? He says about these enemies of the cross because we're all called to pick up and carry a cross, aren't we? And to pick up a cross, you have to crucify. The whole point is crucifying something, which is our flesh, whose end is destruction. These people don't have any desire to pick up a cross they like the fellowship they like the free coffee <laughs> they like coming and hanging out but when the rubber meets the road are they really surrendering their lives giving their all whose god is their own belly that means that means the appetites of the flesh carnal appetites, whose glory is in shameful things who set their mind on earthly things these are the principles that lead us to experiencing everything Jesus has for us and fulfilling our destiny, the ones Paul talked about just a bit ago, right? I'm pressing on, I'm laying hold, I'm forgetting the past, I'm reaching forward I'm thinking right, I'm walking orderly, I'm following the successful around me. I want to end with this Matthew chapter 11 verse 12, really important verse. There's two interpretations of this verse and both of them are equally valid. From the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The first interpretation is this and it's valid that there's a demonic violent opposition that's happening all around us constantly day in and day out to the kingdom of God advancing in this earth how many of you have ever experienced that it's called spiritual warfare it's called the enemy doesn't like it when you start taking ground the enemy doesn't like it when you start believing the promises of God the enemy doesn't like it when you start getting up in heaven a devotion time the enemy doesn't like it when you start reading God's word You name it, even little things like that. You try to set a devotion time, and before you know it, your mind is filled with all kinds of distractions. You've sat the Bible down, you've gone off and done something else, and you've totally forgotten about your devotion time. How many of you, that's ever happened to you? There's just opposition. There's actually demonic violent opposition to the advancement of the kingdom of God. And the enemy is trying to overtake and overcome the people of God. The second interpretation is simply this. There's a holy, violent, aggressive attitude that you're going to have to have if you're going to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God in your life. The kingdom of God won't be apprehended by the passive Because there's way too much violent opposition in the way. Violent ones take it by force. The second interpretation that I just told you is true because the first one's true. Do you understand that? The first one is true. There's a violent resistance against the kingdom of God. Therefore, the second one, there's a need for a violent, aggressive attitude to have if you're going to experience the kingdom of God in your daily life. There's massive opposition from the enemy. So you and I have to move forward aggressively. Standing on, believing, trusting, praying, serving, giving. Listen, don't hate spiritual exercise, folks. Get intentional, get aggressive, get violent, get forceful. Stand up, stand on the promises Believe the Lord. Take the kingdom of God and let it take you and then you'll experience everything Jesus has for you and fulfill your destiny because there's more. There's more, church. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. Lord, help us not to miss the more of your kingdom. Help us like Paul to stretch, to reach, to press, to apprehend, to take hold of, and to run the race and finish the fight. Help us, God. Help us to not be caught off guard. Help us not to become complacent. Help us not to make our our bellies our God. Help us not to be enemies of the cross. Help us to embrace everything you have for us. Help us to run this race with diligence. One thing, one thing, one thing. Ice. That we'd be conformed to your image. And we'd complete your call on this earth. That heavenly call of God. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.